You are listening to a Blazing Caribou Studios production. Good morning, everybody. This is Victoria, your dog guru, and today we are answering your questions. Uh, my first thing on the list, though, is to address the fact that this is our 60th episode, which I'm a little surprised by. I mean, 60 episodes in, I couldn't, I really can't believe that, first of all. Um, secondly, I'm surprised that so many of you write in every week and, and I'm getting new emails daily that I'm just in awe of all of you guys taking part in this process. Initially, when I started this, my only goal was to put information out there that I wish was a little bit more readily available. I didn't want to necessarily work to endorse a specific program, um, but more of a journey with b between owner and canine. So... When I started this podcast, one of my main goals was to, in in many ways, restore peace within people's homes and give them hope that they can work with their own dogs and a little bit more emotional support than they might be getting. I remember one of my clients saying that she didn't know where to start. When she opened up um, Google and 10 names came up, she just started going down the list and she couldn't tell one trainer from another. I mean, and I think that's really true. When you are looking at a list of names, you don't know one from another. A lot of people are going based on reputation and referral, but even that isn't going to tell you if it's going to be a good fit for your dog or your situation. So I just want to take a minute to thank everybody who listens every week and takes some my advice and reaches out to me about their personal situations with their dogs and getting your updates really are helpful in letting me know that the advice was not only useful to you in your situation, but that I was reading the situation correctly, even at a distance. Um, so anyway, thank you guys for listening every week. I really appreciate it. Keep writing in, keep sharing your stories. If you do not know our email by now, it's dogguruhereforyou at gmail.com, or you can send messages via the Facebook page, which, um, is ask your dog guru, or you can go to the Facebook group, which is dog guru hounds and message us there. We also post threads in those groups. So whenever we have an episode coming up offering um, answers to questions that you may have, you can always post on those threads. And who knows, you might end up in uh, our next list of questions. Just a couple more things to get to before we get to your questions. The first being, uh, I do have a Baldor update for you guys. So he is doing quite a bit better. He is not sick. Um, he is making, his immune system was able to hold out and given the right care, and I do mean the round the clock care that I described, um, he is really turning the corner and he's now back into active training. We are working towards our long-term goals as a service dog team and, uh, while maintenance wise, he's a little delayed on some things that I wanted to get accomplished his head is in the right space and his body is so much healthier that I'm very grateful. So for now, he's not completely out of the woods, but he's in such a place that I know that he will be in not too 
long a time from now, and I'm not really as nervous. You know, before when I was addressing things, things were really, really dire, and I didn't know how things were going to go with him, and that was just the reality of it. We were doing all that we could, but that didn't mean that everything was going to be okay. So I'm just glad to say that right now he's doing a lot better and we're, we're working towards our goals as a, as a team. Next order of business, we are actively looking for sponsors. So if you like the show or you have a specific product that you would like to advertise, do it on my show. I mean, I'm personable and we have a ton of listeners. So if you would like to advertise with us, please email me directly at you at gmail.com. We are broadening our horizons and I would love to work with you. So please keep your mind open and shoot me an email. Let's see if we can work together. Also, thank you to everybody who has donated to our PayPal. If you haven't yourself and you would like to know about it, it's uh, paypal.me slash yourdogguru. So it's paypal.me slash yourdogguru, or you can check the show notes. It's always in the show notes. Oh, and if you are on iTunes and you enjoy the show, perhaps are in a position to donate, this is a great way to help the show grow. So if you write a review and give us a five-star rating... That helps our ranking in iTunes. One of my long-term goals is to be on like the top 10, top 20 on iTunes for our category or our genre. So that's like a long-term goal, guys. I mean, I kind of missed the early window to have snagged that. So now I have to work my way up. But the more downloads I get and the more exposure the show gets, the better. So if you haven't done that, uh, if you could do that, I would certainly appreciate it. I'm I'd be really excited to read what you guys have to say about the show. And if you have suggestions, you can always send me a message directly. Um, I'm always listening to my listeners. It's important to me that you guys enjoy this experience as much as I do with sharing it with you. Oh, and the last way you can help the show grow is sharing it with somebody. Tell somebody about it. Be like, have you heard of the podcast Ask Your Dog Guru? And show them it's on Spotify. We're on all your favorite podcast apps, iTunes. Well, it's now Apple Podcasts. So shout out to Apple Podcasts for throwing everybody for a loop. And of course, they can always go to blazingcariboustudios.com and look up Ask Your Dog Guru right there. Because they're our home. They're our network. They always have the latest shows. So you can download them directly there or on any of the places I just mentioned. Now let's get into your questions. First question comes from Cassandra, and she writes, This is Ollivander, the Black Mud, and our roommate's hound mix, Horus. Does anybody have any tips for frustrated, aggressive dogs? Ollie is a very loving and playful pup, but when he sees a dog and can't get to said dog on a walk, he gets frustrated and lashes out. It's hard to get his attention back, and I'm worried he's going to eventually slip out of somebody's grasp or, or he's going to hurt himself pulling on his collar so hard. Any help is appreciated. Okay. So first of all, when you have a dog that is really obsessive about meeting other dogs, 
sometimes the best thing to do is to slow down that process a bit and give them some constructive work. Dogs who have active minds can't obsess about another dog or meeting another dog if you're doing tricks with them or if you're asking for eye contact and a strong heel. So try and think of incompatible behaviors. If you don't want the dog to pull, work on a heel. If you don't want the dog to have, you know, be hyper-focused elsewhere, then work on eye contact between the two of you and rewarding that a lot. Make it more pleasurable for them to tune into you than to focus on the other dog. The other thing you want to make sure you're doing is giving them time with other dogs. So this way, it's not just so rare that they're obsessive about getting that time in when it's finally out on the table. Even if, you know, because if you have a busier schedule or for whatever reason you don't have the time to let them play or the other dog isn't friendly, you can go about your day and your dog's going to be accepting of that instead of just trying to pull out of you, pull out of the co- collar away from you. I definitely wanted to touch on something another listener had sent me a private message about because I thought it was worth bringing up. Um, He's getting a new dog and wanted to know what I thought about clicker training. And I wanted to kind of weigh in on that. So I actually really like clicker training. However, I have to admit, it's not something I would ever expect to be doing long term for a few reasons. For me, it's just one more thing to keep track of, and I'm very forgetful. So that's the first thing. So for me, for that reason, it's just one more tool that I have to have on me. Um, the thing I like about it is you can mark the behavior that you like the instant that you like it. So the second that you get what you're wanting out of the dog, you can immediately give them that emotional return. And sometimes, you know, that that physical reward or if it's a treat that you're rewarding with, whatever. So there's instant communication, and I really like that element. The other thing that um, I was mentioning that kind of comes to mind is, you know, there are dogs who they you have to shape behaviors with them. So for them, they're they're really great clicker candidates. But I try and work in an additional word so this way I don't become what I call clicker dependent where without that clicker, I'm basically dead in the water. I want the dog to understand that a a marker word is just as valuable as the clicker. So um, I'm actually not, I I have nothing negative to say about clicker training in general. I think it's a case-by-case basis sort of thing if it's going to be a good fit for you guys. But the way you load the clicker is really important. So make sure that when you make that sound, you're immediately rewarding with a treat, a high-value treat, ideally, so that you're getting the dog's attention in a positive way. You don't want them to associate the sound with anything negative. Um, So every time they hear it, immediately reward, and then they're going to like the sound of it, and then you can start utilizing that sound every time they do something else that you're trying to shape or a behavior you're trying to develop. So if they sit, you'd click, then you'd treat. So that, that would be the series of events. But first, you have to do what's referred to as loading the clicker. So you have to add value to that sound by making the sound, giving the treat, making the sound, giving the treat. It continues in this process until the dog hears the sound immediately associates it with the treat. Uh, and then from there, you can build into them working towards hearing that sound. You know, you'll, you'll, With certain dogs, they get so good with using the click, clicker and working for that click that they'll start doing more and more interesting behaviors to get your attention to see if they'll end up hearing the click at the end of it. So uh, for dogs like Border Collies and Australian Shepherds, dogs that are 
really motivated to come up with ingenuitive ways to get your attention and get what they want, clickers can be really valuable tools that way. Also, if you have a dog that's especially fearful, I've noticed that clickers can, once, you know, if they're not sound sensitive, once the association, the positive association is made with the clicker, I've noticed that dogs can really master and get through their anxiety quite a bit faster when they feel that emotional direction. And the clicker helps guide that. You know, yes, this is right. No response when it's wrong. It's a very clear, consistent message that they're getting. Anyway, um, so clicker training, I think it's it depends on you guys. If you want to do clicker training, I'm certainly not against it. Just make sure that your dog has a really good association with the clicker so it's not, not in any way stressing them out to hear it. Most dogs, in my experience, like clicker training. So I and, and most uh, trick classes that I've seen, like group classes, they use clickers a lot for those. So food for thought. I know this wasn't the initial question, but if you're wondering to yourself, okay, is a clicker a necessary step into training my dog with positive reinforcement? No. The answer is no. You don't need a clicker to do that. I use the word yes or good dog, whatever I feel like is most effective. I don't use clickers with my dogs. I have utilized them with clients in select cases, but again, because it's just one more thing for them to keep track of, I usually try and go with words. Okay, our next question comes from Macy, and Macy writes... Hey, dog guru. I didn't have a specific question. I just wanted to know if you had any go-to tips, just daily tips and pointers that we could all benefit from. Thanks so much. Love the show. I actually do have some general tips, things that can be applied to any dog. The first one, the top of the list is start bonding and working on a relationship that involves eye contact early. Don't make it a combative experience. You definitely want your dog always checking in with you and looking up to you. And the earlier you start it and establish that habit, the easier life is going to be for everybody. So that's my first tip. Um, you'll hear me talk about eye contact a lot. <laughs> the next tip that I have is if you have any issues with dogs destroying things, getting out of places, um, obedience issues, they kind of walk away from you and check out on you, you probably need a crate. Uh, believe it or not, nine times out of 10 crates can be such a useful training aid when you're trying to establish boundaries with a dog that doesn't have them. And sometimes doing it in a lar large space in a big house is very difficult to do. Um, if you have a dog that's a picky eater, one go-to tip that I give everybody is add a little hot water to it, mix it up, let it sit so that it's just, just about warm before you give it to your dog. Um, definitely don't want it to be scalding. You're not using boiling water. You're just hot water from the tap or, um, you know, just warmer water. Go ahead and mix the food in. That releases more of the flavor and the scent and dogs really like it. So even a dog that's really picky may not actually be done eating the food that they're turning their nose up at. If you add a little hot water, let it sit, mix it up and, uh, then serve it. It's like a hot meal. Think about it. Um, another tip that I have for people is if you're feeling like you're getting overwhelmed, it's never too early or too late to involve a professional because quite frankly, we can't always see around corners and sometimes we don't see what we're doing that's contributing to the things that we don't like. And I, I would often walk into a home and what most people would be afraid could take, you know, eight classes in their home, I could work out in, in a visit or two. Some things aren't severe cases. Even what may seem severe to you may not be severe to a professional. 
So, you know, reaching out earlier rather than later, later is not a bad idea. But say you're further down the road and you're ready to get rid of the dog. Those are the calls that I really built my business around. And it's really why trainers get into this business. So we want those calls. And, you know, if you ever have issues and you're feeling stuck and like you're not making progress with your dog, then it's, it's really time to go ahead and pursue a professional to help you through this dark period. Obviously, one of my tips would be listen to this show because there's a bunch of different episodes on different topics, and I'm always trying to answer new questions that come across uh, either the messages or in the Dog Guru Hounds group on Facebook. You know, you can you can contact us via email at Dog Guru here for you and write in your questions anytime you want. Even if it's something that you request I not put on air, you can do that. Uh, nine times out of ten, as long as I have the time, I will answer your question. Uh, but a big a big portion of what this whole podcast is about is getting your questions out there because so many people have the same questions that you do. And I'm here to try and guide you guys back and give you some suitable tips that can really work in your own home. So like I said, you know, if you've been on the fence about writing in, go ahead, give it a shot. I might be able to answer your question. This question comes from Sarah and Sarah wants to know, how do you know if your dog likes you? Um, instead of just likes food. And I think this is a really fair question because a lot of times dogs associate interaction with food. So I do a few things to kind of switch it up and you can, you can do bonding exercises that have nothing to do with food. So obviously cuddling with your dog can be a really bonding experience, but believe it or not, walking time is usually where you bond the most. Um, you want to make sure that when you're doing things that if you're using treats or food, it's intermittent. It's for the fastest sit, the best behavior, the newest behavior, the fastest try. You don't want to just be, inter, you know, indiscriminately passing out treats. There's no value there. Not everybody needs a participation participation trophy. They actually have to earn what they're doing, uh, or what they actually have to earn what they want by what they're doing, or what you're expecting out of them. If you want them to stay still and they move, they don't get the cookie. So, um, but you know, when when it comes to how do I know if my dog likes me? Do they gravitate towards you in the room? You know, if, if you're watching TV, are they off on their own or do they get closer to you? Maybe not even sitting next to you but or on top of you, but, you know, next to you, by the floor near you. Do they guard the door closest to you? Things like that are a dog's way of, within their breed characteristics, you know, essentially showing their loyalty um, some dogs are more affectionate than others. I've seen dogs that are really independent natured and they're still super, I mean, I would say even obsessed with their owners. I mean, if their owners are gone too far, despite how independent they are, they'll go searching for their owners. So I think it's, it's in the connection that you feel day to day. Like, do they walk up to you when you first come home? Are they kind of aloof? I mean, if your dog doesn't get up when you come home, they're probably not very excited about you. Um, so not... Not, I wouldn't say, say it's necessarily rocket science, but I would try and make treats intermittent so you can make sure that your dog actually has a bond with you instead of with what's coming out of your hand. Unless, of course, it's affection, in which case that's totally fine. And now a few words from Irrationally Exuberant. This is the Irrationally Exuberant. I'm Reed Messerschmidt. Family, friends, fans, Bono, I see you over there. Looks like a carelessly basted turkey with the head still on, but the head got stung by a bee and it's allergic to bees. Johnny, 
Are you awake, Johnny? Yes, Bigfoot. I was just smelling your arm fur and thinking about how much I love you. I love you more than that old moon and his bright little friends, the stars. This is the story of the time I found myself in front of the frying pan at three in the morning, drunk of course, wearing a blood-stained suit and a backpack full of potatoes. This is the story of the time a grizzled old hobo asked me if I was okay. The Irrationally Exuberant is a podcast, but also art. Find it at theirrationallyexuberant.com, iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Iceberg Slim and B. Zenroy Orbison. What could these things possibly have in common? Dog Guru, I have some questions. What are some of the signs that your dog could be having an allergic reaction from food? What kind of treats do you recommend, especially for pits? And what age should you cut clip? Sorry, what age should you clip your puppy's nails? Okay, all good questions. So the, I'm gonna go one after the other. So the first one, signs of mild allergic reactions can vary. Um, but usually it's like inflammation of the skin. So the pigment will change a little bit. You'll get more pink, more red. Um, that can also turn to sores, depending on if it's really irritated or it's rubbing on something, or if it's hot during the summer, you'll see more irritation than normal. Um, food related allergies usually manifest as itchiness. Um, they'll, they'll sometimes get patchy hair, um, the, the skin pigment is, is a big one, though, especially it, it sounds like you have a pit bull. So pit bulls, they'll get that real pink, pink, red, almost reddish tint in their skin if it's irritated. Sometimes they'll also get hives. So any of those signs could be food-related allergic reactions. But yeah, I mean, a lot of the things that you would see on us, you'll see in an animal. It's just hard. You know, they do it first. So you'll have to look a little bit closer depending on the thickness of the fur. But um, yeah. Hives, bumps, itchiness, sores. Um, also, if you see that they're obsessed with water, it's not an allerg allergic reaction, but it is a sign that perhaps the food that you have isn't working. As far as which treats I recommend, I really like the Pet Botanics. Uh, they have chicken, beef, probably turkey. Um, most food brands out there have their own biscuits, their own training treats. Now, but I like the pet botanics because I've found that a lot of dogs respond well to them. They're small, they're easy to carry around, and they come. There's a, a they have small pouches and big bags, so I like those. And I've never seen a pit turn one down. So alternatively, you can chop up liver or liver sticks and um, use those as treats as well. Some people do that. Depends on how natural you want to go. And the last question of when is a good time to start clipping nails? So I like to expose puppies to clippers um, and just nip off the very tips of the nails. The earlier, the better. Um, if you have a dog that's either a juvenile or older, you may have already gotten to the point where they have some aversion to the nail clippers. But even if they do, you can still break the process down and start over a little bit back up, essentially. Um, so you'll nip off little tips and every time you do, you'll praise lots of praise, sometimes treats. I try and just use praise and affection on this one because I don't like having one more thing to hold in my hands and treats are a huge incentive for them to investigate what you're doing, which makes it harder to clip the nail. 
Uh, all of that said, though, you could certainly do it in that way as well. You can go ahead and, and try and distract them with, you know, a peanut butter filled Kong if you want to, depending on if it's an aggressive response, you might want them to focus on something like a Kong. But in that, when, when a dog has a serious aversion to a nail clipper, I start by actually like using it to stroke them just very gently so that they have physical contact with it, but they don't actually have, it's not doing what it's expected to do. So right away, you're breaking that pattern of understanding. You're, you're basically telling them, actually, I'm not going to do what you just expected me to do. This is what I'm going to do. And so you break the series and the cycle that follows. And then, then maybe one day you're petting them with it and, you know, you move towards their paw and then you, you know, you rest the uh, clippers on the paw, but you're not clipping. Again, still not doing what the dog expects. So you're breaking the pattern that way. And then you, you know, then you could start doing things like actually messing with the toes, the nail, and making contact on the nail. That's it for a dog that has aversions. Uh, for a dog that has no exposure whatsoever, I just say, start small. You know, there are some dogs that don't mind at all. There are other dogs that don't mind, but the sound bothers them. And then there are dogs that the sound doesn't bother them, but the pressure on the nail bothers them. Uh, I will tell you, though, be mindful if you've never done it yourself or if your dog has black nails, you don't want to cut the quick. Certainly not without what we call quick stop. You can get it at most pet stores um, just in case they you were to nick a nail. It'll help the blood stop. Um, but do apply pressure right away. And depending on how severely you cut the quick, you might have to bring them to a vet. So when in doubt, you can always get their nails clipped at a groomer or a vet's office. But if you're doing it at home, just make sure that you can see that where the quick is in the nail and that you're not taking too much off. And by taking those little bits off, you'll know if you're getting close because it'll start, you'll get a bead of blood before you ever really harm the dog. Um, so that's why you, you take little bits and then get the dog used to the process. Before you know it, it won't even be an issue. So that's what I would do when it comes to nail clipping. Nail clipping, for my dog, I start pressure on the paws and moving them around just the way I would with nail clippers very early so that it's just not ever going to be a problem. We do the same thing with horses because they get so big so fast. So little food for thought there. I hope that helps. Okay, our last question comes from Amber, and Amber writes, my seven-month-old puppy had surgery on his leg a few weeks ago. Long story short, it ended up being an abscess and infection had started. Recovery has been very difficult due to the infection and location of the site. Natural movement interfered with he with healing. Uh, anyways, his training has come to a complete halt, and he's been unable to burn the puppy energy. He is not lethargic, even with sedatives, and is full of energy he's not allowed to burn off through exercise and play. What can I do to help him heal, but keep his mind sharp and stimulated to release that pent-up puppy energy? He has to be created almost all day to keep him calm and off the leg as much as possible. Wow. That sucks. <laughs> um, I just say that because I, I feel your pain, um being as somebody who's been back and forth with the health on their dog. My dog just, all of a sudden, he's got severe diarrhea again, so we're back to square one, it seems like, with the potty training. I understand. Um, now your case is a little different, so let's talk about you. Uh, the first thing I would do is, I, I've, you've heard me, if you've listened to the show before, you've heard me bring these up. Puzzle toys are really useful, and I'm going to recommend that you go on eBay right now and go pick up a Buster Cube online. Uh, Amazon may, they may carry them still, but I know eBay does. Buster Cube, B-U-S-T-E-R. Uh, they're great for dogs that are food motivated. Puzzle toys are really going to help. The other thing that you're going to have to do is, you know, you might have to stimulate him differently. Maybe 
leave on the radio, um, different types of music. You know, there's really a the crate is a very small world. Maybe even um, having him on the leash in the house so he can't just run all over, but he can be close to you or he can be in a different space and not so isolated. Um, keeping him really interested and his mind sharp per se is going to be a difficult thing to do other than you can ask him to do stationary training, sits, downs, stays. I mean, he doesn't really have an option on those. Um, so you could practice those and eye contact. So maybe strengthen other skills to continue the training while he's, you know, physically recovering because the leg is not going to take that, that long. Dogs really recover quite quickly from leg surgeries. So, while this is kind of a trying time, I would focus on, you know, you could even do things like filling peanut butter Kongs up and freezing them the night before, hiding treats in his dog, um, like maybe making him a snuffle mat, mat would be a great idea. You can Google it. Um, snuffle mats are great for dogs because it forces them to use their nose and forces them to use their brains and their natural instincts. So that might be something to try as well. And they're something you can pick up some items at the craft store and make it at home. Super easy. You don't have to buy anything. So those are some suggestions I have to keep him busy. Okay. Um, I do hope for both of your sakes, though, he has a very swift recovery. I want to thank everybody for joining us on our 60th episode, 60 episodes in. I'm so grateful to everybody who writes in every week, who loves the show, whose dogs are part of our Facebook group, and whose stories have become part of my daily life. Please keep your questions coming. Without them, this show just wouldn't be the same. I mean, I can talk about lots of different topics, and I, I have plenty of material, but, you know, focusing on what matters to you guys matters to me, too. By the way, if you love our show, can you please leave us a review on iTunes? You can do so if you go ahead and search up Ask Your Dog Guru on iTunes. You'll find our logo and then go ahead and leave a review. And don't forget, you can always donate at paypal.me slash yourdogguru. Thanks so much, everybody. This has been Victoria, your dog guru. Namaste. You've been listening to a Blazing Caribou Studios production. Support and subscribe to our Patreon at patreon.com slash blazingcariboustudios.